Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome to another round of Boardroom or Miro Board. Today we talk retrospectives with Agile Coach Maria. Let's go. First question. You spent two hours in a team retro, but the only input you've heard is Dave's. Boardroom or Miro Board? Boardroom. In Miro, Dave can't hog the space because everyone can add thoughts anonymously, online at the same time. Correct. Next. You need the team to act on feedback fast, so you turn all those retro notes into Jira tasks instantly. Miro all the way. And I can assign those tasks to teammates. You're nailing this. Now, you see hundreds of sticky notes from the retro. A real mess. But you organize them into five themes in just seconds. Miro, I basically get back an entire hour when I use its AI tools for clustering. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people running actually enjoyable and actionable retros in Miro. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Center Court with Hall of Famer Ralph Sampson. I'm Jason Zone Fisher. I'm fired up. We're the best time of year for a sports fan because we got the NBA playoffs. The baseball playoffs are getting started. We've got the NFL in full swing. College football is here. NHL playoffs. Ralph, I don't have time for anything else. I'm glad we have, uh, you know, an hour to talk here right now because I've just been watching sports all day, every day. I mean, from football, as you said, I mean, I watch football over the weekend and all the great plays or I mean even even football has come back and, and players are still animated when they get a touchdown or yeah. they get a fumble whatever they still got their you know game face on so it's great to see baseball I don't watch much baseball but you know I'll get to the playoffs I'll watch a little bit more of that but obviously I'm watching the NBA very closely and it's fun to watch them play and have a passion ball playing even if the fans are not there which is even more passionate but uh, it's interesting to see how, you know, you see all the players on the sideline jumping up and high-fiving high and, you know, all the kind of stuff. Well, so it's fun to watch. Definitely fun to watch. It's been a lot of fun, for sure. Uh, you know, I'm also really excited about today's guest on the show. We have a basketball legend, a living legend, Teresa Edwards. She is a Hall of Famer for being in seven Hall of Fames. She's in the Basketball uh, yes. Hall of Fame. She's also in the FIBA Hall of Fame. The she's Women's in seven of them. She's in seven total, so it's crazy, seven, right? se- it's she's the most decorated athlete in the history of USA basketball. She won four gold medals representing our country and one bronze playing in five Olympic games. We'll get into all of that in a moment. So I don't want to take up too much time because this is a really great interview that I'm excited to share with our listeners. But first, what's new, what's good. And, you know, the NBA, all the awards are out now. They've all been handed out. And Giannis Antetokounmpo won his second consecutive MVP in the same season that he was named Defensive Player of the Year. That's only the third time that's ever happened in history that a guy wins MVP and Defensive Player in the same year. Do you know the other two guys? A little trivia for you, Ralph. Put you on the spot. Put me on the spot. I saw that. Is it lovely? Akeem Olajuwon? Yes, your former teammate, the Dream. Hakeem Olajuwon won MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in the same season. And and Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan, yes. Yeah. He knows a little something about basketball, too. So Giannis... 
joined some pretty elite company as now the third player to win Defensive Player of the Year and MVP. But it wasn't without controversy because it wasn't this big grand ceremony down in the bubble. Giannis is he's at home, so it was a little bit awkward, and he exited again. I'm curious. Was Giannis the MVP this season? What do you think? Because LeBron James, he isn't being shy. He thinks he was the MVP, and I'll share my thoughts on that in a second. I I agree with him. Well, you know, direct quote from Giannis was, don't call me an MVP until I win a championship. Right? So he has to – I mean, he understands, okay, I can be MVP, but it's not making me win a championship, you know? So what does MVP really mean? Is that you can right. elevate your team to play harder and win at whatever level may be. He won it last year. Okay, great. He won defensive play. Okay, great. I don't know who picks it, but actually I was watching ESPN as well. One of the gentlemen that were commentating said, well, because if he sent his ballot in late, LeBron didn't get any votes. And he would have voted for LeBron, but his ballot didn't get in time, so he missed a vote. I'm like, dude, come on. So – LeBron got no votes, and Giannis got all the votes. But you have to give somebody like LeBron respect. Uh, There's a lot of guys, I'm sure, to win MVP, but to do what he's doing with a young cast of characters, right, that uh, he's bringing along, putting on his back, I mean, he's got to be more than MVP to me. Uh, He just makes it make sense because, I mean, to get no votes is ludicrous. It makes no sense that he get any votes. But, you know, so, Ralph, let me ask you, what does MVP mean to you? Does MVP mean the most valuable player to their team, the best player in basketball, uh, the player that if you took them off their team, you could really see see the difference there? Like, wh- what does MVP mean to you? Yeah, as I said, with LeBron, you got to make sure, I mean, most valuable player. And what does that mean? Uh, statistics, stats, I think it's got something to do with it. Yes, consistency. But can you elevate your team to the next level is the MVP. That you can take assists, get the team motivated. I mean, the Lakers would not be in the playoffs if it wasn't for LeBron. I mean, Anthony Davis with with the Pelicans by himself, with their bounce. Sometimes they didn't make it to the playoffs. Sometimes they did. So mm-hmm. it wasn't for LeBron there and what they do. The Lakers wouldn't be in the playoffs. They wouldn't be yeah. biting for a championship. We all know that. So he has a legitimate argument to say he should be MVP. Coming in second, it doesn't, you know, I mean, coming in second, no mean anything. You got to come in first. I mean, runner up. I mean, nobody ever knows who the run up to Magic Johnson when he won MVP. Nobody knows. So I know it's the most valuable player to me is can you elevate your team? Can you elevate your franchise on and off the court to win basketball games to support the franchise, but also to make your players and teammates better? And that's what LeBron has done. Giannis, they, same thing with year after year. He, he's a great player. Don't get me wrong. He deserved the MVP award that he got the previous year, but I don't think he deserved it this year. So would LeBron have your vote? Absolutely. You had a vote this year? They'd have had all the votes, yeah. for sure. I agree. I agree. I, what LeBron is doing, let alone in year 17, leading the NBA in assists, making all of his teammates better and knowing when it's time to get them involved and when it's time for him to take over and dominate a game. No one has an understanding of the game and an ability to do that like LeBron James. I agree with you. The reason the Lakers are still playing is because of LeBron and Giannis, a two-time MVP. He's at home. I'm sorry. He's at home, hanging out. Yeah, he's at home. You should still be playing. You're a two-time MVP. 
you don't lose those games. You you will yourself to victory. You you find a way. Yeah. Well, the key word you said was LeBron leads his team in assists. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. not only points, rebounds, but assists as well. And uh, so that's telling you that he is getting his team and teammates in position to score and to win uh, because he leads them assists. I mean, how, how do you do that? I mean, and not be MVP. Right. Well, and it's so crazy, just as you said, no one remembers who came in second place to Magic Johnson when he wins an MVP. You don't really keep track of that. Our society really keeps tracks of championships, of titles, right. of who won, who wasn't the runner-up. They come, uh, you know, we we recap how many awards, how many all-star appearances. Even as I'm about to introduce our guest, Therese Edwards, her incredible career, we'll talk about all of her accomplishments. That's not even getting into the journey to get there and all the greats along the way and at the end of the day lebron james he will have been mvp four times but if you count all the times that he probably could have won or should have won i think it would be tip the scale in his favor in the the greatest of all time conversation yeah i think so i think that he will uh you know could win another one as well but he also could um you know just sit back and say how many did i really or could have won and i think it's more than uh Two or three, they probably could have won more than he than he has, right? I mean, he I mean, he took teams on his back, he carried them a long way, and he's just amazing player. Seventeen years in the league, eighteen years in the league. It's just, I mean, how do you do that and stay that healthy and that strong and still compete for championship? He's a rare person. I mean, he's just definitely a rare breed. He is, and I mean, love him. I love his game. He's a force. Uh, LeBron is a force. It's special to watch and and continue to witness it. And I'm excited, though, for today's interview. I want to get this show started the right way because we have a very special guest joining us, Teresa Edwards, as I mentioned, the most decorated athlete in the history of USA basketball. She's the only American basketball player, male or female, to compete in five different Olympics. Uh, She's a five-time Olympian. She won four Olympic gold medals and one bronze in 92. We'll get into all that. And she holds the unique distinction of being both the youngest and the oldest gold medalist in women's basketball at age 20 and at age 36. She's had an incredible career playing and coaching in the WNBA and still is so close to the game, coaching kids today. And she's got some really interesting thoughts on today's current players, the state of the game, uh, and the state of the world. There's a lot going on. She's an amazing author, poet as well. We'll we'll get into all that with her. Yeah, she'll be fine. Let's get right into it. But the main thing I think about her is how does she do all that with her background how does she how does she elevate herself to win i mean a gold medal every three or four years you got to do that how does she do that so i can't wait till we get this started all right well without further ado let's go for the gold and bring on the one and only Teresa edwards We are so excited to be joined by the most decorated athlete in the history of USA basketball here today on Center Court, the one and only Teresa Edwards. Teresa, thank you so much for joining us here today. My pleasure, Jason. You know, Raph can make a call and things happen, so it's all good. <laughs> That's true. I've seen the power of Ralph. You know, everyone everyone loves Ralph. Uh, he makes uh, things happen. You don't like Ralph. Something's wrong with you. <laughs> we always have fun, so it's good. Hall of Fame events and you know, and Atlanta events and all that good stuff. So we we go way back, so it's good. 
it, the Hall of Fame oh, really is. is a fraternity. You know, it's a special group. And I've gotten to see this from so many of our guests we've had here on Center Court, their relationships with Ralph. And, and what does it mean to you, Teresa? I know you were inducted in 2011 into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame, but it really it feels like a family. I can just see that between you and Ralph, how you guys are interacting before we even just started this. As you're asking a question, so much goes through your mind, Jason, man. It's like, you know, you play the game at such a level. And when you're in the same vicinity of the same people that know what that takes, what that feels like, uh, what that, you know, what that joy is all about, that spirit, that love. When when, when, when we're together, the stories never stop. <laughs> yeah. And being a woman in the Hall of Fame and having the experience to just go back with the all these old cats and sit with them and Raph and everybody. When they, I'm telling you, man, it's we don't want to do what we're at the Hall of Fame to do. We just want to stay together, eat, drink, have fun, dance. We do it all. We do it all. It, it's it's an amazing, amazing fraternity, sorority to be a part of. I'm gonna tell everybody that's on. I talked to like like some Nancy Lieber and the crew. That Friday night reunion is probably the best part. I mean, the induction is cool, right? I mean, you could say, but you don't get to talk noise and tell stories. And so to me, that's a special night, right? And then you go to Mohican Sun and you can hang out a little bit and kind of let your hair down. But I, I told Fran, as well as you know, we need to make the Mohican Sun a little bit longer. It's not even 24 hours, you know, enjoy it. But as you may know, this year, obviously the the induction, the enshrinement got canceled in Kobe Bryant year, et cetera, with Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett. But they're doing two next year. So I know I'm going to be there. You, I'm sure you may be as well. Oh, they're doing one in May and one in September. I'm definitely planning to be there for You're sure. There. I'm, I'm always going to be there if I can. Trust yeah, me. it's always a good, good, you know, it's a good, good weekend getaway, right? It's a family affair. Like you said, let's stay at Mohegan Sun. Let's get it done. <laughs> well, in, in May, the whole thing is going to be at Mohegan Sun. Yeah. And that's going to be up in, you know, in the hall mm -hmm. with the new, new building. Everything's going to be at Mohegan Sun because of COVID. Yeah, it's going, be, it's going to be special. It's going to be something uh, really fun, especially because hopefully everyone can finally be together again. It's great having you here join us over Zoom and getting to see you and talk to you, but it's not the same as being together in person. So everyone is definitely going to be excited to come together and celebrate, uh, honor Kobe Bryant, his legacy, but also just celebrate the fact that we can be together again, celebrating how basketball brings everyone together. You know what? I can imagine we're all going to be a little nervous, though. We're still going to be. There. <laughs> we'll have masks on. We'll have the masks reality on. of the situation is it is what it is, and you have to respect it to stay healthy. So it's kind of like, yeah, yeah. How do we handle that environment mm -hmm. next time we all get together? But yeah. again, it's going to be a good time. I'm, I'm going to be happy to see everybody. Well, speaking of that, this year has been really trying for all of us. This is something we've never had to deal with. We've got a pandemic. We've got a social justice movement as, you know, we've hit a boiling point with everything that's taking place in our society, in our culture. How are you doing? How managing through everything that's been thrown our way in the year 2020? I mean, I don't know how Raph is doing, but I'm doing good staying away from everyone. Um, <laughs> I'm covering up on I'm, I'm really trying to adhere to what it actually takes for us all to have, you know, to be a, a healthy community again. So I'm still working um, in and out of the gyms with masks on my face, yelling at the kids. I'm still <laughs> teaching. Um, so life is really still really, really busy. I think, you know, we're we're fighting it because of the sports. We got hit the hardest. Yeah. So we've mm -hmm. got to be the most creative 
so you in the gym, you still, I'm sure you're you know, like working out and working kids out or people out. I mean, I had some experience that during the summer having camps and clinics. How, how are you dealing with that? Because for me, it was, you know, difficult to put, you know, from 100 kids to 10 kids, social distancing in the gym and to try to manage that. It's crazy. Fortunate for me, Marap, I only had a couple kids at a time, a couple boys okay. at a time. Yeah, I was very, very fortunate with that that aspect of it. So, so yeah, a little bit easier, crowded, right? I got I got a little nervous. Yeah, exactly. No, no, I, I did as well. I cut it back a little bit. I did some one on one, but you know how you touch the ball and you got to sanitize the ball. I mean, all that kind of stuff is just kind of kind of a little bit weird, right? Big time. You know, I kind of let myself go. I was like, we're going to shoot the ball. We're going to play ball. We're going to even bump a little bit because everyone that I knew was actually, I knew them. So okay. it, it, it we kept each other safe for the most part. But afterwards, I made sure we cleaned up when we walked in and cleaned up when we walked out. That was right. the best I could do. And then mm-hmm. they didn't touch nothing going home. No, you can't <laughs> take, bring, bring nothing to me and take nothing home. There you Good. go. There you go. So, so with that, though, how do you, you know, because I asked everybody a little bit, you know, so our teaching and what we learned growing up, uh, and, and, you know, I, you know, I had a barn door with a go on it. I know you had a pine tree with a go on it. How do you take that teaching into today's kid? I mean, how do you take those experiences? It's a little bit different. For it's us, a lot but, bit different. Lot you know, different. How do you take that teaching into it today? How do you teach a kid today? You know, I finally let the kids change me a little because I had to meet them in the middle of the road with this grit of mine. That's what we have. Exactly. We have a, I have a country grit, you know, and I had to meet them in the middle of the road. They don't have it, you know, no. and, and the lines are truly blurred from my age. <laughs> um, but what I do is I try not to change exactly who I am in the type of drills I structure. Um, I don't, I'm not much of a YouTuber. I'm mm-hmm. not much into um, learning all these fancy tricks and, and the um, yeah. James Harding's five step shots. I'm not into that. Is that a walk or not? (laughs) No question about it. (laughs) But I'm just not into that. I'm into the basics. So I've I've built what I do on our basic. If you have the basics, no matter what what your shot is looking like, the way I coach you, you should still be able to be, you know, you should be effective on the court at all times. So I'm really teaching the game. I I have a lot of fun because I I put scenarios up. I'm teaching um, all the cuts and any type of play a coach can run for shot series. I'm not just, I'm not a rebounder. I tell my kids all the time, I'm not here to rebound for you. <laughs> you know, you're going to learn to make some shots while you're in the gym with me because I'm not chasing that ball like that. Right, yeah. so, I mean, it, I'm really an old school grit, still yelling in my own way. Got to get it done. And honestly, I've, I've, told, I've told one parent, I don't want your money. Your kid is not ready. He, he, he just, you know, some kids just want to be in the gym with you and say they're in the gym with you. I, I don't have time for that. What does it take? I mean, you're you're there with kids. I mean, you obviously know what it takes for you. You've achieved so much success in your basketball career. But now as you are coaching young kids who idolize all the YouTube highlights and, and the, you know, deep three-point shots as the game has evolved, what does it take for a young person today, a young boy or girl who wants to achieve greatness in the sport of basketball is there an intangible? Is it is it their work ethic? What what is the one thing that sets apart the kids that you think have that secret sauce to take to get to that next level? Today, we have a lot of of kids that's truly paid their way paid their way into the game because mm-hmm. the access was granted. Um, 
it's hard to find that kid um, that it's organically in them. And I have to have these hard conversations with parents sometimes, like, you know, organically speaking, you let it happen and it's going to happen the way it's supposed to. Forcing the issue, you know, you get where you, you get in where you fit in. So what it really takes is understanding to me the difference in that as an athlete when you approach it, because I, I tell my boys all the time, listen, or the girls, but mostly I work with a lot of boys. I'm like, you know, there's a kid over there wants more than you. You just don't yeah. know what You don't know he lives in the project. Heck, he could be in a high rise, but there's a kid that wanted more than you. And once you see it for some reason about, you know, because of all we've gone through, we know what that looks like. I know what it looks like immediately when I see it in a kid. And it just takes that extra girth grit. You're not an internet kid. You're not a, you're not a Instagram kid. You're not a Twitter kid. You're not, that's not you. You know about it. You can communicate with it. But you're, the, you're that kid that can put it down and go, let's go play any day. That kid is going to make it, period. Um, the special skills, if I got to teach you everything about the game, yeah. you haven't watched the game? Come on, man. It's yeah, things yeah, like that. It's just so easy. <laughs> yeah, you just got a little bit of money. You want to pay for lessons. I get it. But I've exactly. been, there, been there and done that. Kids can't play at all. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to hurt their feelings, right? You don't, you don't want to burst their bubble, but right. you got to be realistic with the parents. Like, you know, you, you, you can get him out and work out. We can make him better, yes, but, you know, he has aspirations. Everybody wants to play in the NBA, which is not realistic. And you, let's, try, let's try your middle school team first. You can make that, then we may go. go somewhere, you know. <laughs> That's the way it works. Honestly speaking, there's enough room today. There wasn't enough room when I was coming out. There wasn't all this the access to different levels, D2, D3, JUCOs, and all that kind of stuff. You can play. Everyone's just not going to get a scholarship. Right. Playing your club AU team, right? It's just, I mean, I, I can only imagine, like, I'm sure you can, AU, when we came up, it, it didn't exist. I mean, you go to five-star or something like that, which I didn't mm -hmm. know, go because the food is bad. But, I mean, imagine <laughs> playing AU today. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't even imagine. The AAU, they were begging you to play. They only had you can only have one team per state. When I when I first yeah. heard about it, wow. that was my senior year in high school. So that's great. I, I didn't even want to play AAU. It's like no. for what? Right, it, it wasn't worth it. Play your high school team. It's yeah. good. Wow. Well, the game has obviously continued to evolve, uh, and it's amazing to see how far it's come just in the last few decades and every year as it as the opportunities have increased for all the players who do take it seriously. There are so many more uh, opportunities out there and especially for the women's game as well, which uh, mm -hmm. you were a two-time All-American in College of Georgia, uh, mm -hmm. an incredible basketball player. You already had an Olympic gold medal still while you were in college. There was no WNBA for you to go to. And you mm -hmm. had an amazing career overseas traveling the world in Italy and France, Spain, Japan. But you didn't have those same opportunities that the players today have to play here, to build a brand, to build a name, to have this following. Um, do you, is any part of you, you know, bitter that, that you didn't have those opportunities? Uh, no, honestly. Or are you Definitely just proud of the very, fact that they... It's very good. It's a very fair question. Yeah. Um, 10 years ago, I would have said, heck no, I'm promoting the game. I was yeah. I've been on the front line for just like, we need professional ball here in the country, in the United States. Why don't we have it? Why am I overseas? It's all lonely. My family can't even see me play. I got to pay $100 every time I call home for five minutes. 
like, I mean, I could be here all day with all that. <laughs> and I was telling Raph about this book I wrote, right? Like, yes. it's like a poetry, right? It's just poetry. And I realized that I wrote this because exactly what you just said. I was a little bitter. <laughs> Unbeknownst to myself, that became therapeutic for me. Mm. And I thought I was writing this motivational quotes and da-da-da. Well, I read I reread that thing about three times now. I'm like, yeah, give me a give me a quote out of that book because I'm interested in. Uh, give me one. Give me a quote. What, what, give me something. Give me something out of there. Yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna tell you where I was a little bitter. <laughs> okay. I was I I think I'm a little bitter. Uh, a, a lot in here. <laughs> um. Uh, we won't talk about that one. <laughs> I'm gonna have to get in the reader for sure. Uh, you gotta get it read, read the quotes. Uh, don't settle. Don't settle. To be definitive in who you are is to limit the potential of who you might become. To settle or okay. let others decide your fate, what gives? Your heart. I can't relate. To quit, you don't see the light a little bit. Get up. It's your life. Go get it. You know. Um, there's one in here about home, oh, old school, new school. No, I'm kind of okay. bitter on that one. I know I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're kind of bitter on that one. Oh man, well, we'll old to... school, new school. Then I talk about. Let me read. I'll read one more. I won't. I won't do this because I'll drag it on. But confession of a tongue girl. I love that. Now, confession okay. of a tongue girl talk, takes me back to when I grew up playing with the boys. You know, and then being the only girl in my little hometown that was playing and everybody looked at me like the girls looked at me like I was crazy and something's wrong and the boys couldn't believe it. So they were roughing me up. So I have the walk. I understand the talk. I never gave the stairs a thought. You think I'm out of place? I'm keeping pace. I earned the right to play in this space. You think I'm too independent, but I know what I want. I want, I'm a doer, no taunt. You say my muscles scare you? Maybe true. But it's your insecurities that are coming through. You snigger, oh no, what a shame. As I play with the boys in the hot sun, even rain. You're thinking sex, I'm thinking strength. Playing with the boys, no strain. You say that's a girl and Teresa is her name. I say I'm a baller and there's no shame to my game. You know, no, you know stuff like I, that. That's you know. amazing. Yeah, it, it, it just... You know, I, I swear it was therapy and it would, it would come out of me like that. I'm like, okay, you're not Maya Angelou here. You know, <laughs> you stay in your lane. But honestly, as soon as I stopped playing the game, so many thoughts came. So many, you know. Wow, that's great. Well, the book is called Dream with Faith. And where can people check this out? Because your writing is, this is another career for you. It's really talented. Oh, I mean, this this is a tabletop or it's a, it's, a, it's a free spinner. It's one that I use when I go out and speak and share yeah. with the young kids. And uh, it, it kind of mends the fences of the old age, new age thing for me. But it's on officialtheresaedwards.com. It's self-published. Cool. And I have a new one coming out with Amazon, which is which yeah. should be titled Black Gold. And that one deals more with my life, life stories. And uh, we're going to, it's a time piece. Oh, good. Amazing. And, and you mentioned, I think, when we chatted that yeah, we were, we were going to release it with the Olympics in to Tokyo Olympics, because right? of um, Sue, Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi, the, the amazing great players today um, in the WNBA and, and uh, represents our Olympic teams. They're actually about to match my record of five Olympics. Mm -hmm. So we were going to make sure we timed the, my release with that. So we're, you know, right now Amazon is playing with next year. Hopefully, hopefully that they do go through with the Olympics. I don't know. I think uh, I'm going to just try to get them to release it because I'm just excited about it. 
For sure. Well, you mentioned that the Olympics were obviously postponed this year. And as the most decorated athlete in the history of USA basketball, four Olympic gold medals and a bronze representing the United States in five Olympics, if you were still on that Olympic team, how would you be dealing both mentally and physically to prepare when the Olympics get postponed, it's up in the air. I, I know that it's not just like, oh, I got the Olympics next month. This is something that you were thinking about and physically preparing for for a very long time. How is this going to affect the athletes on that Olympic team next summer if it happens? And, and how would you tackle a situation like this? I think it affects the entire program of USA Basketball. I think it, it's not only USA, but kind of teams around the world. Um, I can't even imagine that or, or pretend that I, I wouldn't know how to deal with this. I would be deeply hurt, honestly, um, that we're going through this and there's nothing anyone can do about it. Mm. And you can make all the plans you want and still no one. I never saw this coming. I really never saw this coming. So there's no way you could have prepared for it. Um, so I don't know what I would do, but it depends. It really does test your heart. How mm. bad do you really want it? How much do you really, you know, want to make it happen when when they do open the back up to play? Um, honestly, I'm just going to be honest about the situation. I'm so glad that my days are coming going with that. <laughs> <laughs> would you would you make that decision like you know NBA? But would you make that decision like the WNBA player of the day? Make that decision to go in. I mean, although the NBA is very powerful, make that decision to play or not play. You know, I mean that that has to be a hard decision for some right to go play. Yeah, right yeah, today. As crazy as I am, I am. I know I would have played. I would have yeah, trusted yeah. them to keep me safe, and I love the game right. enough to die for it. So I probably, okay. I know I would have been there. I know. I, I mean, when you're at that age and that's all you love to do, that's your yeah. gift, and you were born to do it. You're going to do it. There's no stopping me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would, I would have played as well. Knowing the NBA, I was always looking at NBA W. How is it going to look on television? You know, how would it feel with no fans? I would feel just to hear the squeak of the shoe and the ball uh -huh. and your guy talking noise to you uh -huh. and you talking noise to him. So, you know, it's built. The excitement is back now with that, but they've done an amazing job just to create that environment again, I think. Uh, let me tell you this, though. Now, you got it. You guys got to acknowledge this. The difference of the visuals with the women and the men. Mm -hmm. I'm really Different. a little mad about it because I think <laughs> there's no, there's no, I mean, you actually, I don't know how to put this, but. You can't say there's the fans aren't there because they won't plug in, zoom in. I right. mean, you can't right. say that. And the women don't have that. And it's driving me nuts mm -hmm. every time I watch it. Although I haven't watched every game, the production is so different that it drives me up the wazooka. And now, what's the excuse? So I ain't mm -hmm. got time to even listen to LeBron talking about there's no fans. Man, play ball. It's pretend it's pickup basketball. It is. It was. Yeah, it was. I mean, pickup basketball is the greatest basketball in the world. Mm -hmm. I'm serious. That's some hardcore playing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, there, there's, you know, if you see the fans in the back, right? So I was watching the other day and you saw, you know, the, 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 in the Denver series, you see Alex English in the background and or you see other players and fans as well. So NBA is doing that. I don't know if they do that much with the WNBA, but I did see the same thing you were seeing as well. So, 
is it the league? Is it WNBA? Somebody is missing the ball there. It does feel very different. Yeah, you're right. The production value feels very different where it feels hollow for a lot of the WNBA telecasts because there's almost, it's like a tarp. It's like that old Alamo dome where they used to put a tarp up to, you know, cut it in half. It kind of feels like that versus they're really trying to make at least on television, the NBA broadcast feel exciting, pumping in the noise, pump seeing the fan up there. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's true so jason you think it's been this way for a long time it's just really evident right there like there's no mm-hmm. really rhyme in my mind there's no rhyme or reason for that um because that's marketing that's just you know pick up the pieces and and, and uh, make it happen you know figure out a way to make it happen you made it happen on that screen let's make it happen on this screen i mean i hate to be over here it could inspire some good poetry <laughs> from you though i think this is you're going to yeah, channel I, this into another another one yeah oh yeah you're right about that I, <laughs> know, I, know, I know i don't need to ruffles any feathers we're already locked in <laughs> so i'm gonna go back second to the the olympic piece because I, I saw that i know you well enough to make this statement so you you win gold you lose brazil and you got the bronze you recommitted yourself, obviously, to come back at least one more time and, and get it done. And that game you won, I think you said, I'm just going to put this on my shoulders. And we ain't not going to lose and bring, you know, nothing left than a goal in my last Olympics. And then you stayed after the game on the court for like five minutes just to say, wow, did it. What what was that about? From, from, from the loss to that last five minutes on the court, knowing that it's your last Olympics, because I didn't get to play the Olympics because they boycotted my year in college. Mm. Right. So I'm like, wow, I mean, come on. I mean, yeah. I can't play in the Olympics. I wanted to play. I had beaten Sabonis twice, Tachinkov and Sabonis twice, wow. and then couldn't play in the Olympics. And then they want me to play on a pickup team with some NBA players. I'm like, I'm not going to do that yet. I'm, you know, it's just totally different. Right. So what was that yeah, like? It's, right. it's got to be surreal to commit like that and get what you wanted to get. Yeah. Man, I'm going to tell you all the truth. Yeah. I played this game because I loved it. I would win. I mean, I, I mean, I, I'll win for anyone. I'm just my my thing was I loved the thrill of victory. Every time I play, I love figuring out what your weaknesses were on the spot. I love exploiting myself and just you know I just love the pace of the game. I think just going through those five Olympics, you know, going through the series in which I went from being the youngest to the oldest. Mm-hmm. You know, in '84 I was the youngest, 2000 I was the oldest, and 1996 you spoke of we fought back from Barcelona's loss and to, to bring the goal back home. And just the series and the dynamics of the thrills of what I've gone through. Every time you step up on a podium, it's it's one hell of a stand because you worked your butt from trials to get to that point. But every time you step down, it's like starting over. And that thrill, that ride is amazing, just getting there every time. And that's something I can never give anyone. I can just tell you that it's an amazing ride to get to that podium. In 2000, once we won that gold medal in Sydney, because of you know I was really pumped to go back after 96, and I thought 96 would be my last, but something about Australia, something about them thinking that because they were going to be in Australia, they were going to it was going to be easy to win. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, no, this is bigger than this. This is bigger than a basketball game. This is USA versus Australia, and this mm-hmm. thing is huge. And this is women's basketball. We don't have much. We don't have much, but we have that gold medal stand. Mm-hmm. And to, to me, there was so much pride, but I knew, I knew for sure, sitting on that floor, I would never be back in uh, on that grandstand again. I knew that was going to be my last time. Yeah, well, 
you know, I played a lot of pickup games. So I turned about 45 in the gym with the guys I played with in Atlanta. And I really could have played about one more Olympics because I was mm-hmm. still doing it with the guys, but I, it was, it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense to do it. I knew Sydney was the right place to hang my hat. Wow. Well, such an incredible Olympic basketball career. Uh, you talked about it, 84, the youngest Olympian ever in, in women's basketball, winning the gold medal. 88 really proves that you belong. You repeat, get the gold again. Go. 92, a setback, you get the bronze. 96, the redemption tour, you're back on top. And then 2000, becoming winning gold again in Australia, as you mentioned, becoming the oldest now Olympian, youngest and the oldest yeah. gold medalist. Is there one of all of those five Olympics that means the most to you, the gold medal or the story? Because they each have such an incredible story, as we I just yeah. highlighted. Is there yeah. one that you hold dearest? Yeah, I mean, 96 is always going to be the dearest. It was the hardest mm-hmm. as well. Um, it was the most challenging um, for that redemption. and All the things that I've gone through, uh, it's really the, the first part of my story that I'm releasing with Amazon. Mm-hmm. the inside scoop on how challenging that really was it looked good on the screen but it was really really challenging yeah and um that but that just changed the face of women's basketball professionally here yeah. and the mm-hmm. ride that we went on and the sisterhood that we gathered um amongst the young ladies of that team is amazing stories so that that change in the face and and now today young girls don't even know what it's like not to have professional basketball in this country because of that team so yeah. that will always be to change. Yeah, it changed the dynamic, right? Yeah, forever. forever. It definitely did. I, the WNBA started a year later with so yep. many of those stars. And obviously, and then you uh, later in your basketball career had a chance to not only play, but then go on to coach in the WNBA as well. I mean, there is no women's basketball in America without Teresa Edwards. Yeah, man, but getting old and that game, <laughs> you know, not fun. <laughs> you, That's you, okay. I was there. I was there. You, you were there. Getting I was old, there get, when it happened. Yeah, getting old is like a fine wine. You age well with time. You look great. So, you know, take, take what it is, right? It's good. Oh, man, you're the master of that. Cut it out. <laughs> no, I just try to, you know, I, I need to be better, but, you know, try, I need to work out more. So it's crazy. Oh, so do I. But, Ralph, it doesn't matter. I, I put on that back. You don't you don't put on nothing. I don't put on anything. Yeah, I think it's hard. I got hard. I don't put Still on stick. Same frame. I mean, yeah, same amazing. frame. Amazing. Every time same I see frame. it, I just want to slap him at the knee. <laughs> it's not there. It's, it's genetics. It's my mom and dad. So they, uh, they're thin as well. So it's good. Uh, that's good. But but thinking about that, Teresa. What is it like when you when it comes so easy to you for so long, all your abilities on a basketball court, as you do start to get older and things start to you know ache and pain and it, it's you can't do it quite the same way you used to. Right. How is that to go through mentally for you when you're still as sharp as ever? You're probably even sharper mentally because you've seen so much more, but your body just doesn't react the same way, and you just try to adapt and and make it work. And you're someone who was able to make it work for a very long time. No, but it's very scary when you realize that drop step didn't go as fast. That's what happened to me. One day I was mm. I was playing the guys and that drop step didn't I didn't drop. And I'm like, Your mind dropped, but the step <laughs> didn't drop. <laughs> my mind caught it like that. Right. That step was there and he was gone. And I'm like, whoa, this is real. Um, but you adjust because we're we're mentally a part of the game. We know the game so well. Our IQ for the game at that age is it was it, you know I knew to step back now. I knew to stay not to play up as as, as aggressive as I used to. So you kind of just adjust as you go. Um, mm-hmm. Me being a female that trained with all the guys my entire career, 
I, I always had a quick step, which, which helped me tremendously. And I always had to use my mind to outplay the guys. You know, I was never going to be more physical. I was never going to jump higher. You know, I was never going to be faster. So they really forced me to learn the game at a whole nother level. Um, so I'm, I'm, I was very grateful for that. So that those adjustments came easy for me. Yeah, but I'm gonna go back to because I sense the, the the pine tree hoop, no backboard grit. You talked about it early on. So most people don't understand that, right? So I, I'm country, 500 acre farm. You know, bailing hay, picking them up on the tractor because they wanted me to drive the tractor. Mm-hmm. You know, so the work ethic is is huge, and you don't see that today in, in, the, in the girls we see at the WNBA or even in college or the ones you train. So. I, Tell, I mean, I, I see it See it now. I mean, we could probably get back on the court today. The mind's going to take us back to want to do it, but the body's not going to take us there to physically do it. But my mind, every time October comes and I smell the fall air, my mind says it's time to go play. I mean, every year I have to deal wow. with that. So wow. people don't understand that. So talk about, you know, growing up like that, but you got that grit today where you also take that back to the gym and teach kids, like, mm-hmm. don't come and just play around. Right. Respect right. the game. Understand the game. I'm, I'm like, we just take your money and train you because you really can't play, but I can't tell you that. So right. I'm going to go back a little bit farther into that, that grit. Uh, I'm just like you. I'm a country girl. Like you, you keep mentioning my, my rim was on a pine tree. Yeah, with well, no backboard. Yo, I had no backboard. I had the flattest shot in the land. Um, <laughs> and Coach Landers at the University of Georgia tried to change that shot one day. And man, mm-hmm. he almost messed me up. I couldn't get an argument <laughs> shot to save the day but I can make it go in hoop, period, straight score. Mm -hmm. And um, just getting out there in my yard with, you know, pine trees, you got the root stems at the bottom, (laughs) the ball hit the ground, it's gonna gonna project one way or the other, and you gotta uh, react. I mean, Uh that stuff teaches you, that's love. Mm -hmm. You know, playing in those those type of environments, surface, I played outdoor pickup on the asphalt. Um, I ran, you know, I, I, I played in holy sneakers. Got holes in my sneakers, mm-hmm. you know, until I get a new pair. Uh, you have no idea. But if you said basketball, I'm going to play if I play bare feet. I mean, that's just the work ethics. We, I did, I did like rap. I had to work in the field to get my extra work or to help with school clothes, uh, help my mother purchase the school clothes for us and things of that nature. Um, it was natural though. You know, yeah. that's what we did. That's, you weren't judged by that. You weren't in an economic status or, or, or not with those type of things. And, I differentiated or separated myself tremendously because of um, my approach to the game, my love for it, my ability to just put nothing before it. Um, it was, a, I mean, that was a life, that type of grit. I don't know if it's because I always, I always say technology did it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know we need technology. I know we need advancement and we're going to evolve as a world and as a society, but to overindulge in it to a point where it means more to you than that thing that you said, mom, pay for this, or I love basketball, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You really got to, we've got to teach kids to question themselves and to really be truthful with themselves when, when it comes to this idea of I want to be great at something because it's distracting as ever. Yeah. And it's very hard to coach them and to be truthful to them because now what are we doing? We're tearing them down, right? We're not building their self-esteem. We're, we're tearing the confidence down. That's not really what we're doing. We're trying to be honest with you. Because I feel like most times when I'm working with them, I only have so much time to give you what I know. And it's a lot going on. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> There's a lot. 
So I have these kids, and, and I like again, I love getting into deal with boys a little bit more than girls because I can yell at a boy, he's going to get mad, but he'll fight hard out of it. Girls usually, if I yell at them, they're going to stay in that space for a little bit longer, and that's right. the truth. So when I'm when I boys and boys are hard for me because I'm a female, and they're like, why? I got boys looking at their dad going, what? Why I'm in the gym with this woman, right? Mm. And then all of a sudden, I'll do a shooting drill at fifty something now. I'll start. I'll snap. My mind will snap, and I'll go, go back, right back in. Yeah. A 30 something, and all of a sudden I'm rattling off shots, and I don't even know I'm doing it. Now, when I get at home, get back home, <laughs> <on> the couch. <laughs> a little different story. Ooh, those knees are killing me, man. Yeah. But there's something about the power of the mind, Jason. Yeah. It's really true. Where, you know, seeing is believing. If you can see yourself doing it, you're going to achieve it. Yeah, I can, I can do it one day and be, you know, it's like, you know, you know, you know how you never play, you know, play, take a couple weeks off you go back you uh -huh. play phenomenal uh -huh. and then you can kick it in i can do that today but tomorrow i won't be able to walk uh -uh. no i need uh, I won't be able to get days, three to four days in between yeah <laughs> gotta be knee will swell up and i have to get a drain and, oh, no, I did no. that so I, I feel you on that one. but it's a beautiful thing man we can we can get back in for a second it doesn't yeah. last long mm -hmm. but we can get it yeah, it doesn't last, but it's okay it's okay we still remember <laughs> it is still okay remember. Yeah. Teresa, yeah. I can I can tell from just chatting with you for a, a few minutes here that you were obviously an incredible player. I watched you play. I've seen your highlights, but I think what really set you apart was what's going on up here. Your mm. your mental strength and toughness, your love for the game, which came from such a pure place. You talked about you and Ralph very humble beginnings. You know, you didn't need a, a basketball hoop. You made your own, and that's what yeah. you fell in love with. And uh, and I think that pure love coupled with being a student of the game and so passionate about it and so quick and sharp mentally uh, translated into your success. Hey, you summed that up perfectly, Jason. <laughs> oh, thank you. I, I'm available well, to write see, the forward to the next well, book. Yeah. Well, yeah. Please, you got to understand, Jason, you probably never shot baskets on a outdoor court that was dirt mm. with a chain link fence with no, no backboard. You know, with, 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 I mean, you've probably never seen one, right? So yeah, uh, that was in around the corner in the park for me, like for you. I mean, but you had to go to the farm. And, I mean, literally, uh, I'll, I'll take a picture, Jason, and show you. We still have it on the farm. Yeah. It's a rim on the sliding door of the barn. It's the only way you've got a backboard because it was against the barn. Well, and my, right. my mother shot on this rim as well. So it still exists today. So I'll have to save it. But yeah, but you learn that because nobody's going to take you on the court and wind you and dine you and say, do these drills and do this behind the back stuff. And, you know, it, it works in the game. They're not even going to do that. And that's why the game has changed. Get up and go shoot. They're not going to say, yeah. well, have you practiced? They're not going to ask you if you practice. They're going to say, where is that kid? Mm -hmm. You know, that kid needs to come in. We know exactly where to find him. Or yeah. him. We know where to find him, you know. In my case in the South, especially during the summertime, get outside. Go no, outside. You couldn't stay in the house. You couldn't stay in the house. <laughs> 95 degrees outside. 95, yep. you, got, you got to get out of the house because you can't dirty up the house. Right? right? <laughs> the way it works. Teresa, it who are some of your favorite players currently playing in both the WNBA and the NBA? Someone that you wish you got to be teammates with or play, go up and play against? Hmm, good, great question. Um, in the WNBA, I love Asia Wilson. Um, I, I still love Candace. I think she does a great job. Mm -hmm. uh, I wish she hadn't been injured early in her career. I think she would have been right. truly been good. Yeah. Uh, which that's not saying that she isn't. Who else is out there? Of course, Diana does her thing. Um, 
I just like watching all the stars. But mm-hmm. of the young ones, there's there's this kid. Um, geez, I was just watching the other night. There's a lot of young up and coming kids that has grit with them. And I'm still learning their names. I don't get to watch them. <laughs> right. like, when it's basketball, they don't show enough. Yeah. Uh, and we don't brand them enough. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of young, really good talent out there. I'm really excited for the women's game. I was watching the other night, and I was thinking, wow, we look pretty good. This is exciting. Because mm-hmm. uh, there's games without the hoopla behind the scenes. You've got to play right. to keep people's interest. And um, yeah. they're doing it right now. They really are doing it right now. So it should be some cool. really good playoff teams. We, you know, like Cheryl swoops you. I mean, I mean, uh, Tina Thompson's a coach at University of Virginia. You know, people ask me, would I be able to play with the guys today, or would they have been able to play with us? So I'm sure, positive that you would have been able to play with the girls today. But would, could they play with you guys in those days? Oh, you know, CC, I may be a little bitter with that one. They're gonna think I'm I'm tripping, but no, they, yeah, they, they, <laughs> they, they really could because the girls back then, man, they we had we had no no extra motivation. It was all pride, ego, mm-hmm. you know, all that personal stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Even if you won, nobody knew about it, but between the women's basketball world. So for us, man, I mean, I, I got Lynette Woodard, George oh, Walker. Yeah. Listen, George Walker is a name you don't hear much. That girl can just straight up play. Yeah. Um, Medina Dixon is a name you don't hear. Janet mm-hmm. Harris that played with me in Georgia. I mean, these girls had me scared. So, you know, I'm like, uh, no, not today. No, we were just, I was looking the other day in comparison and not to be bitter because I think the girls are great today. But in comparison, we were just more athletically sound in our bodies. We were able to control um, the core movements in our bodies a little bit better than kids do today, the women. Mm -hmm. I think we were. We were able. We were just more durable. We were. We could bounce right. back, and, and it was solid. You don't bring no weak shots in the paint. Mondays, no. you know, we didn't have a three point line, but we were still averaging twenty and thirty points. So, oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it's a whole different thing. But in the men's game, I'm telling you, I'm just missing Steph, man. I'm missing my boy Steph. He's amazing. Yeah. Two steps so, over. Uh, two steps over half court. I just shoot it. I mean, I'm, just, I'm just missing that. Just yeah. that, that I'm missing KD. I'm just, I'm just missing these guys that are injured mm-hmm. like crazy. To be honest with you, more than anything, they just, they knew how to light it up for me. Yep. Yeah, yep. they did. They did. They you know, when I was a kid, Michael Jordan was huge, right? Like when I was a right. kid, Michael and I are the same age. Don't get it twisted. Mm. But you know, I'm overseas and he's here. So when Michael was on, the gym cleared. Right. Right. Like everybody's leaving. We're going home. We're gonna watch the game. Yep. That's what Steph brought back for me. Okay. I'm 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 going home. I'm gonna go sit down. I'm gonna have my drink and my food. I'm gonna watch Steph. Like this man makes me feel like I can still do it. Like I'm I'm playing through him. His yep. energy, the shot. KD when he comes off and he starts lighting it up shots like it's nobody's business. Yep. When you can turn it up at the right time, and there's nothing anyone can do, you're you were born to play this game. I mean, but you got you got KD and Steph and Clay. Yeah. Right. On, on yeah. the same squad. I mean, that's, I mean, if one of them is off, two of them are going to be on. I mean, you right. have no chance, right? Right. And then when they look at each other, I know I could tell sometimes they look at each other, okay, it's time for us to turn it on. Right. And, you know, you know, two other guys, Eagle Dawa or somebody out there just can get a rebound. I mean, I mean it was amazing like, to watch. They had a, you know, six year run that was amazing. It's crazy. Yeah. But it was. Don't, I don't know if they'll ever be that again. No. No, we won't see that for a long time, no. probably. Again. No. I mean, no, that 
That was a special team, that Golden State Warriors team. It was fun to watch. It was fun basketball. I'm I'm from Cleveland. I'm a big Cavs fan, so I was definitely not a Warriors fan. A rivalry <laughs> yeah. there. However, was, you got to admit they were just fun to watch. The way they would yeah. pass the ball, yeah. the ball movement, and just their range and their shots. And when these guys get hot, like Steph or Clay or KD, they really were unstoppable. But I, I'm glad they're broken up now, and they can you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad. So I'm like glad that. Too. But you know, my my boy Gary Payton said Steph wouldn't got those shots. Off in our day, you come back half score, he'd have been deed up and he'd been yeah. broke up. Yeah. He, he wasn't big enough. I mean, Gary, yeah. Gary Payton would go at him. Isaiah would have yeah. went at him. Say, they yeah. couldn't I play think, when we played. I think GP's correct in a sense, but I do think Steph would get Steph's just a little too quick. He's I think gonna so. run you to death, man. He's gonna run you all over that floor off those picks, and that his, his setup is so quick to release. Uh, It'd have been different. He can say what he want to say. <laughs> he he, he, he got some of those sixty point games. I'm sure. Yeah, it's absolutely. so unlike Gary Payton to talk trash. Oh yeah, you know, that's what I'm saying. But and I ain't yeah. mad at him. But. Yeah, always talking trash. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Teresa, in your Hall of Fame induction speech, I know you gave a special shout out to the late great David Stern, the commissioner of the NBA. And we talked about how this year has been such a tough year for a variety of reasons. We've also lost so many legends, but. January 1st, the year began with losing David Stern. And uh, he was obviously someone who meant a lot to you and into your life. You, you you paid tribute to him during your Hall of Fame induction speech. Can you just talk a little bit about his impact on the women's basketball game and, and on your life? I think, you know, one thing about me is I've always known to look back into um, it really is true. You don't know how to go forward if you don't know what came before you. You know, if you don't realize the mistakes the people in your path has made, which I pay homage to a lot of women that came before me. But I know um, the years I spent abroad playing professional ball overseas, I question every day, how can we be the richest country in the world in women's basket? And I'm playing professional ball in a foreign country. <laughs> and if anybody was going to make that happen, it was going to have to be Mr. Stern at that time. And um, we had arrived. We, we existed. We, we have jobs on and off the court uh, here in America as women, uh, as female basketball players and athletes. And I just remember being on the cuffs of that and, and, and having conversations, not me personally, but people that are trying to make this pro league happen for women, having conversations with Mr. Stern and sometimes him feeling like it wasn't the time or it's not ready and having conversation around him and people saying, if it's going to happen, it has to go through him. Right. And for him to see fit for it, that this was a good time and he was willing to do whatever it took to make sure we had and we, we exist. Um, how could we not? How could I not pay homage to that? How could I not acknowledge him and just his respect? And he did so much, not just for women's basketball, but he did so much for men, the NBA. He changed the whole face of this game. Absolutely. You know, so we, we have to remember that. And, and there's no way to go forward if we don't pay homage. We don't always uh, tell the kids about it, you know, revisit it so that we can grow and go other places. So I will always do that. and. I won't do it lightly. If you, if I think you deserve it, I will tell you. If I don't think you deserve it. I'll probably keep my mouth shut. So you definitely. Well, people, people don't remember. So when I came to the league in '83, the league was hurting. It wasn't. It was the financial teams were going out. You know, they were just hurting. Mm-hmm. That was with you know Larry O'Brien. You know, I so my draft year was Larry O'Brien's last. The next year was uh, David Stern. The league was not good. You know, until you got Magic and Bird, and but it still wasn't good. 
until David got there, right? So you go from then till 10, 15 years later, I mean, it's night and day, mm-hmm. you know, as far as the team, the structure, the game itself, it elevated, it's worldwide now instead of just, you know. So you're right, he, he is definitely a great man. I saw him earlier, uh, late last year before he passed at an event, and he was still as strong and mind was sharp and, you know, we did a forum together and he remembered every, you know, like, I remember you, you did this. I mean, he remembers everything. Mm-hmm. And so amazing guy for sure. And when I'm at, and I'm standing on the, uh, on the Olympic podium, uh, not the Olympic podium, but the, at the Hall of Fame podium, it was probably one of the first chances I'd ever gotten to acknowledge him publicly like that. Because right. someone like me who knows to come from the dirt roads of Georgia to travel to Italy without speaking the language, just to play professionally and really desired. My biggest dream was to be able to play here at home professionally. He helped make, he made that dream come true. Mm -hmm. You know, having that opportunity to me was big to take. Absolutely. That's very special that you got to acknowledge him on, you know, one of the biggest stages of your life. And I'm sure that meant a lot to him too, for, for you to, the words that you said. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny. Our last question we normally (laughs) ask guests. (laughs) We know what it is already, right? Yeah, you pretty much just answered it. We always ask everyone, give them an opportunity to pay homage to someone who meant a lot to them in their life, in their career, uh, that maybe it's someone we've heard of, maybe it's someone we've never heard of before, uh, but just to give thanks. And you kind of already answered it, but but there might be someone else too. So I do want we'll to- say uh, other than David Starr. Somebody, yeah. no, we'll <laughs> yeah. say other than David Starr. I, I, you know, homage for me, is, it, was, it goes so far back, guys. I mean, I- my mother is the hugest woman in my life. Um, the sacrifices she made to make sure that I could be the best that I could be, I'll never be able to just not acknowledge my mother. And my high school coach who's no longer with me, who drove me up and down the streets without knowing where she was driving me and just had, you know, was just trying to follow the blueprint that every time something came to her desk, she opened the envelope and said, oh, you gotta do this. You know, when this basketball just wasn't ready, at that time, but had she not done that, I could still be stuck in Cairo, Georgia, not playing basketball any further. Um, the women that came before me, I always acknowledged any woman that wore a skirt <laughs> and bounced the ball with that kind of love, played it long enough so we could get it put shorts on. Mm-hmm. I, I pay homage to them. Any black coach that never got recognized, Miriam Washington, Vivian Stringer, that has just John Thompson's and all these people that the battlegrounds for people of color, I pay homage to them. You know, any girl that came from a background that she was ridiculed for just being athletic and she loved something, I just, I can't stop doing that. So yeah. for me, um, I probably do it to the day I die. I always pay homage looking back and so that the young kids will know that they must do it in order to go forward. Well, I will tell my mother uh, that you pay homage to her. She played. That's how she says she taught me. But it was three on three, six on six. The court yes. was half court. You either played yes. defense or offense. She played offense in a skirt. And yes. so I like, she's like, I taught you the hook shot. So I understand <laughs> what you're saying when you pay homage to your mom. She's very special. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I thank her. Wow. Well, Teresa, we thank you. This has been incredible. Uh, I cannot wait to check out your book when it comes out next year, hopefully coinciding with the Olympics, Black Gold. Uh, I want a copy of Dream with Faith because not only are you an incredible basketball player, you're an amazing writer as well. Uh, Thank you. 
You really are. And the words that you've spoken and shared with us here today uh, are very powerful and impactful. And I know that you continue to inspire this current generation of players and the next generation of young athletes, uh, young men and women who who look up to you. So thanks for sharing some of that wisdom with us here today. Thank you. Thank you, Raph, man. It's great hanging out with you. I can't wait to see you. Great hanging out. Appreciate it. Ralph, Teresa blew me away. I mean, I knew about her basketball career and her Olympic career, but I had no idea what an amazing writer she was and just powerful words that she speaks. You know, I couldn't say things better myself than than how she put it. It was it was awesome. Yeah, she's great. I mean, I mentioned to you, I mean, I, I knew her passion. I knew her will. You know, we said to get her on the show. So it, it's amazing to watch her when I lived in Atlanta and go to events or go to Hall of Fame events, she just the passion about basketball and the love of basketball. It's very hard to find those type of people. And as she alluded to, when we go to Hall of Fame events, the stories that come out that she would tell, we'll have, we, I, I just think we have to have her back in a forum or something like that with other people. Cause I'm, I mean, can imagine her and Gary Payton going to each other, you know, show, <laughs> Something like, but she still has that drive, you know, in her in her mind that she can play like I do, and but you know, physically she may not, but she still plays. She's on the court shooting with kids. Amazing person on the court and off the court. Absolutely, she she definitely is, and it's cool to see how she's coaching now and and giving back yes. some of that knowledge she's accumulated over the years to this next generation of young people who want to achieve greatness like she has. Yeah, so I'm like, what do you do, Jay? You, you have, you know, young, young girl, what do you do? You take your young kid to train with her, and she said, well, you know, mom, dad, I'm not going to take your money. You know, right. she can't, she can't play. I mean, that's, I mean, it's, 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 it's true. It is what it is, but uh, it's amazing that she, at least, I guess, does that. I mean, I might feel bad with my kid, but can you just train her for a little bit, right? Right, right. You know, but, I, okay, then don't take my money. Just give me an hour, you know? Well, know. you know, as a kid, you, the kid has to want, to do this and to be great. Sometimes it's the parents who want it for yeah, their kid more than the kid themselves. And it, at the end of the day, it comes down to how much does that person want to put in and sacrifice and the blood, sweat, and tears to achieve mm-hmm. greatness. You know, your parents can encourage you or point you in the right direction, but uh, they can't be the ones who want it more than can't you. Can't be the one. Can't be the one. But I mean, you know, something like that, though, could last a kid a lifetime. They think, but you went to Teresa Edwards and my dad said, you know, uh, maybe this game is not for you, but this is, I was there in front of a five-time, you know, Olympic athlete. So it's good and bad with it. But again, amazing stories, amazing person. Glad we had her on and look forward to having her on again. Absolutely. I can't wait. I'd love to have her back on. She was great. And I'm definitely going to check out her book that hopefully comes out next year, uh, yeah. Black Gold and Dream with Faith, her writings, um, Teresa Edwards, uh, another great guest here on Center Court. We've had so many legends, so many Hall of Famers. This has been a lot of fun. And I know we've got some great guests coming up soon, too. So stay tuned for more here on Center Court. Be sure to follow us on social yeah, absolutely. media. Absolutely. That's right. Can you give me the handles, Ralph? You got it down? JV Fish. You got it. And Ralph Sampson 50 and Better Center Court 50. That's right. right. Center Court 50. Got so, that branding 50 always. Yeah. Why were you number 50, Ralph? Well, <laughs> quick side. Well, as I said before, that, you know, that I wanted number 10 because I mm-hmm. thought I could dribble and be a point guard. But in high school, the jersey side is, you know, we're 10 with the little guard, yeah. 50. So 50 fit me because of my size. So I stuck to 50 and it stayed with me forever. So 
here we are. 50. Just because whoever made that jersey, 50 was the big man. That's the way they made them in a day. You, you would have been number 10. You, you know, you'd have been a 10. Yeah. You, your number would have been 10 or 5 or 5. I was, yeah, way. I was probably 5. I, I, yeah, I had to get that extra small. <laughs> right, yes. exactly. Well, as Ralph said, be sure to follow us on, on social media. Uh, leave us a review. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. We've got another great guest lined up for next week. So stay tuned, follow us, and we will be back here soon with another edition of Center Court. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome to another round of Drawing Board or Miro Board. Today, we discuss technical diagramming with systems architect Maya. Let's go. First question. You've spent 10 hours slogging over a sequence diagram that should have taken five. Drawing Board or Miro Board? Drawing Board. And if I'm being honest, Miro would probably cut that time down by half. You know, with its AI tools and ready-to-go templates. Next, your diagrams become so bulky, it's more complex than the solar system. But all it takes is a few clicks and... It's Miro. I've used those technical shape packs way too many times. And stuff is just digestible on its infinite online canvas. Now, the final question. Everyone's brought in. But you have to make all these tasks all the way over in Jira. But wait, it's done. Is it... Miro, easy with its two-way Jira sync. Easy to plot dependencies. Everyone always knows what's up. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people creating technical diagrams without workflow glitches. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. 